It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. Kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. As always, my name is David, and you'll notice that Chris isn't here this week because Chris does not like doing album reviews. So he's sitting this one out, but uh, don't you worry. We're planning a uh, another one of our Make Fun of Country Music episodes that will be coming out next. We're currently listening to the top 10 country songs of the day, and it's as horrible as you would think it is. So it's going to be a good, fun podcast for our next one. But I'm joined this week by my buddy, Brian Jones. He is one of the hosts of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast got to know brian when we first started um state of america and he reached out to me i helped him uh get their podcast off the ground and uh then he my buddy jason johannes joined him and they've taken off and they man they shell out the content weekly uh i'm impressed by all that so welcome brian thanks for having me it's nice to be on somebody else's podcast for a change (laughs) yeah it's nice not to have not have to do the heavy lifting whenever i'm on somebody else's it's nice just to sit back and not in my head going all right what's the next question going to be what's the next question going to (laughs) be so why don't you tell everybody about all things blues and southern rock well all things blues and southern rock uh started out just as a facebook group for me and some of my friends and uh i i think it may have been around the time of magpie salutes first record and at that time, I had kind of realized that, that you know, all my tastes were getting narrowed down to blues-based rock, blues-southern rock, and I felt like it all related. So I decided to start that, and then I came across a podcast called State of America <laughs> with you and Ian, and I, that kind of, I think that's what germinated the thought in my head that I, maybe I could do something like this um, and just, it, you know, with all sorts of different artists um so that that i did and of course you helped me with that and when it came time to find a uh you know another co-host you uh, led me to jason and that's been he's been a godsend and very grateful for that but uh you know we're just we try to uh you know our focus is more on you know newer southern rock acts or newer blues rock acts and it's been been pretty wide we've been able to talk to a lot of great people and uh um, it just sort of started out of the necessity of wanting to be part of a musical community. Um, up here in Fargo, North Dakota, it's kind of like there's, you know, nothing wrong with cover bands, but there seems to be that's like mostly the thing. And there's little pockets of independent stuff downtown and stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, 
I'm just really trying to represent this area and trying to, you know, do whatever I can to help get bands up here and try to do whatever I can to, to promote this kind of music. You know, Southern rock bands aren't real big on minus 45 windshield factor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, we have, uh, we have the Fargo theater here and Fargo brewing company and across the, you know, across the river, the red river of the North is the border between North Dakota, Minnesota. So our sister city or whatever twin city is Moorhead, Minnesota. They have the blue stem amphitheater there. And the last couple of years, I mean, I've, I've seen whiskey Myers. I've seen Blackstone cherry. I've seen blackberry smoke. Uh, I've seen uh, Robert Cray at the Fargo theater. I've seen Kenny Wayne Shepherd. So it's, it's sort of kind of, kind of coming around, you know, dirty honey played here. I didn't make it to that show. So somebody's doing something you know and there's the the big production company here is called jade presents and i've exchanged some emails with them so i'm I'm just trying to get involved with these people and uh, just try to get more stuff up here you know my our you know the best thing for me to see shows is go three hours east of minneapolis that's kind of like a lot of times we got to go to see stuff which is not a bad drive day trip you guys can only get out of the house like three months out of the year <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's way below zero right now. We don't even use numbers anymore. We just say it's it's flipping cold out. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> All right. So when I think of southern rock music, um, I think the first two bands that come to mind for everybody are the Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner. I kind of push back on the Almond Brothers a little bit. I think they're a little more. Uh, well, I guess, you know, jazz, when you think of jazz, you think of um, New Orleans, but I kind of think of them as their own little, kind of their own little thing um, as far as like prototype Southern music, but definitely they played a role in it. But to me, the godfathers of Southern music is always going to be Leonard Skinner. What do you think? Well, yeah, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I want to quote something that Charlie Daniel said uh, when he was talking about Southern rock and he referenced the Allman Brothers. Leonard Skinner and Marshall Tucker. And he goes, you know, like, you know, Marshall Tucker, they, you know, Southern rock, but they were like more of a country band. You know, the Allman Brothers, Southern rock, they were more like a blues band. And Skinner was the rock and roll band of this, you know, Southern rock genre that it was being called. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, absolutely. They're, you know, the ones who are most, you know, famous for that, that title, you know. Well, you know, their first album, which is what we're going to talk about here today, pronounced Leonard Skinner. It's one of those ones where pretty much everything on it is was almost a radio single. It's kind of like uh, that first Boston album. You can hear most of the songs off this album on any given day in a four or five hour stretch on classic rock radio, uh, which is actually phenomenal. I, I, I think it's like a top record, 10. Yeah. I thought it's a top 10 debut album of all time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and as I say, too, is like uh, biggest tragedy in rock and roll, I think, was the Leonard Skinner plane crash because you know you know granted they carried on somewhat and some people say that's a tribute act but you know what more would they have had to give a lot you know so yeah definitely it's you know knocking out of the park with the first record for sure yeah Ian and I um went to the site um of the crash and they have a it's pretty well done uh, memorial it's not real big but they sunk some money into it with, with, you know, the, the monuments and stuff. But when you get out there, first of all, our cell phones wouldn't work out there. Um, and 
you get out there and you look and you see, and you're like, no wonder it took them so long to get them out. I mean, it is by Mississippi standards, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, what I thought was interesting was when we were out there, you could just hear everything in nature. Um, And, you know, Ian being from Long Island, New York, isn't used to, you know, things like that. He just kept going like how eerie it sounded and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And it's a heavy thing, man, to stand there because you realize it's not on the actual site. I think it's a couple hundred yards from it because it's back in some woods but i mean it's close enough to say that you were there but yeah they're one of the great what ifs in music for sure but uh their first album isn't really technically their first album they recorded one at muscle shoals for the most part Mm -hmm. that they uh never really released now you can go and find on some of the bonus episodes but to me i think one of the great tragedies of the song uh, not a tragedy one of the mishaps on their career is there was a song that they recorded there that's possibly my favorite Skinner song called Coming Home. It only got released on like uh, they released a uh, a version of those Muscle Shoals sec- right. uh, sessions, and I'm not real sure why they decided to scrap all that. But we'll go with "Pronounced Leonard Skinner" as their official first album that was released. And like we said, it's for me top ten debut album of all time, possibly top five. And one of the things I think that's interesting about Leonard Skinner is I think they're very much appreciated around the country and not just the South. And obviously, where I grew up. It's just one of those things you had to you either liked them or you were ostracized if you didn't. But mm-hmm. I was talking to some friends up from Boston, Steve Gleason and Seth Miller and, and Kevin Meany and them. They apparently are huge in Boston, like huge. I think bigger up there than they are here. And you listen to other musicians from other genres that you wouldn't think listen to Leonard Skinner. And they're like, oh, Skinner's one of the best bands of all time. You know, they popularized the three guitar attack. You don't see you still don't see that very often. And uh, did it in a way that was very, very original. The album comes out and does gangbusters, puts them on the map, and and they just continue to get big, to get bigger and bigger. But I thought what we would do is just break down the album track by track. How does that sound? That sounds great to me. All right, the opening track. I ain't the one. <laughs> 
It's got a little bit of that kind of swampy swagger that they were known for. Back in the day, you can watch those documentaries and learn how they cut their chops in the sweat house, I think it was called. And so they come out of the gate with this one. What are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, the drum intro drum intro is spectacular. And that's released. that's odd. That's the because if you buy that album, that's the first song you're gonna hear from them. Right, right. With that great drum intro, yeah. Um with Bob Burns, but uh it's it's you know, what a stellar way to kick off the record. It's just a song about attitude and what can you say? It's just a great way to, to kick off the record. And certainly, you know, I could imagine what it would have been like, like when you hear that for the very first time at that time, it's kind of like you hadn't heard that kind of version of rock and roll. You know, and I don't know if that was before they started calling it Southern rock, but uh, like you said, what a great debut album, what a great opening track. Yeah. Great song. So one of the things that's interesting about them is they kind of perfected, uh, these some of these mid-tempo numbers that had this kind of swampy groove to them with the layered guitars on it. This is a, a great example of that. And um, so many of their songs have that kind of like um, Give Me Back My Bullets mm-hmm. uh, has kind of that feel to it. Um, and it it, it kind of incorporates to me part of their sound because there's going to be several songs like that on every album. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm on the hunt comes to mind Saturday Night Special. Well, you know, the thing at Hell House is that, you know, you know, Ronnie was just, you know, he, he, you know, he was iron fisted. He, they rehearsed everything to perfection, to perfection, every note perfect. Um, they weren't a jam band per se. They had every note perfect. There was no improvisation. So when they came in the studio, they had everything just completely, completely down pat, you know, and you can, you can read lots of different, you know, watch documentaries, you know, and read stuff about them that, that that Ronnie was, he's known as a hard ass, but uh, he, he got the band like whipped into shape. They, they played to perfection. Well, they were essentially a well-old machine that hadn't played in front of a lot of people though. For sure. Yeah. I mean, cause they were rehearsing or they were playing a lot of those songs unpronounced before they recorded the record. So I think, you know, you go, they road test them, road test them live and see how they go over and see how they sound. And so right there, they already, probably had everything down really good you know rehearsal playing it live and then probably pre-production and once they're cutting it it's incredible all right so we move on to song number two which is one of the first mega hits off of here tuesday's gone now when i think of leonard skinner this is one of the songs that i think of it's uh it's people that listen to any kind of music are familiar with this they start off with they start off with a ballad on on track number two. So already you're starting to see two different sides of the band. Uh, obviously, this is one I'm sure you're a fan of. Yeah, and that's exactly my thought. It's like they they come out firing with "I Ain't the One" and then then downshift the tempo. And it takes a lot of balls to do that, you know. And they did it, and it's a great tune. And it, it's you know it's uh, you know a little bit longer over seven minutes. Which was a huge no-no back in the day if you wanted to get radio play. Yeah, and I think they probably just sent it as is. They didn't say anything, and then it got played. The lyrics on it to me are so much more mature when you think about for, for a band that's A, that young as far as time together, but B, just their age. Yeah, for sure. And it, it makes makes me think, you know, I think it make anybody think, like, what is this song about? And I think uh, whatever you think it's about, that's what it's about, you know? It certainly has some sad over. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, the obvious thing would be it's it's a 
a significant other that's left, but it also could yeah. be just talking about days gone by, days of innocence, you know, yeah. uh, coming to the realization, hey, we've passed teenage years and we're in, entering adulthood and, and maybe it's not everything that's cracked up to be. Yeah. And, you know, playing a ton of gigs probably isn't always super fun. There's going to be some tough moments in there. So, you know, like you said, like getting out of innocence and now you're a band and you're a business as well. So, that, you know, that could be, you know, metaphor for that. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the members in the band at the time. They, uh, Gary Rossington, and he's very well known, obviously, because he's one of the last living members, but kind of got the the guy that I think's the MVP, the the secret sauce is Billy Powell. Yeah, his uh, his keyboard playing, piano playing towards, towards the end of the record is so phenomenal. Now, isn't he, wasn't he like a classically trained musician? That part I'm not so sure about, but it, that wouldn't surprise me if it was the case. Yeah, he definitely uh, he definitely adds a lot to it. He, he's kind of their Ed Harsh, uh, if you're familiar yeah. with the Black Crows, kind of their, yeah. their Eddie Harsh. All right, song number three, top three song in the Skinner catalog as far as like popularity. Give me three steps. I have always looked at this song as the kissing cousin of... Uh, <laughs> one way out listen to the lyrics of one way out and then listen to the lyrics and give me three steps it's about the same thing obviously this one's got to me one of my favorite guitar solos in it so what are your thoughts on it well i mean i think it's you know i would imagine you know ronnie's like pushing the envelope and hitting on some guy's girl you know i was like hey man i'm rock star i can do this you know or well it was before they were rock stars and starts getting himself in a little bit of trouble and i've never uh known if this was autobiographical biographical yeah <laughs> i always have a hard time with that word i always wonder that yeah i I just whenever i hear that song I just, I just picture the situation like what's going on there you know and i see him like running out before a bar fight starts i know and i love on that live version when he on the solo is bring my mules out here let me kick them one more time but you know this is kind of where you see that guitar attack mm-hmm. come into play I don't know if it's the same person that plays all those solos on it or not, but it's got kind of a loose feel to it. The solos do. You can tell there's a lot of bending of notes and, and holding them in, in ways that uh, give off a lot of feel to it. And it's another, it see, it's a song, it's only four and a half minutes, but to me, it seems a whole lot longer than that. I, I think it's probably because of those guitar solos. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, uh, that was before they had three guitars because Leon Wilkerson had stepped away for a bit and Ed King was playing bass, you know, and then they decided, hey, why don't you? play guitar and ronnie got leon to come back but yeah for sure uh that's a really good point because just like i said the story that that comes into my mind you know from listening to the birds is uh seems kind of like an epic story so maybe it does seem longer than it actually is all right so the next one is another juggernaut in there in their canon of music simple man yeah you know i I uh I relate to that a lot because my mom raised my brother and I on on her own with her grandma's help and or with my grandma's help, her mom. The lyrics really really shine through for me and my experiences. Yeah, and it's great because he seems to be. I think it might be a little bit of a shot at the music business too about all the you know the money and all the. You know, I can picture him, I can picture the band having a great disdain for guys in suits and ties from L.A. trying to, if they were trying to tell them how to be a band or whatever. And just to, if you're, if you love your music and you love doing that, that's all you need. You know, you don't need all this other stuff. I, I think one of the things I like about that song is the the verses are very simple, very quiet. And then you get to this kind of big, loud chorus where uh, uh, Ronnie's really belting it out. And then when it goes back to the verse, it's just an immediate drop off back to this clean sound. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It really, really builds to something epic. Yeah. 
Do you like the um, Metallica cover of this? No, I no, like... it's it's Tuesday's Gone that they do. Never mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. Tuesday's Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Superman did you did you like uh, that one? Tuesday's Gone. Yeah, that's all right mm-hmm. with everybody. Everybody uh, drunk <laughs> backstage playing. Everybody that played on that. I think Shine Down does Simple Man, and I not really been a fan of that i think a lot of people do it you know government mule covers it usually they have like audley freed playing it a lot of country bands play it and then you'll see a lot of rock bands if they kind of want to cover something like that they'll throw simple man in there and i love the song but that leads us to song number five things going on one of the things i think that is very interesting about leonard skinner they had a lot of biting social commentary at the time now they were kind of clever in how they did it sometimes where it wasn't as obvious or you know or in your face mm-hmm. but nonetheless uh, this is the first song that they did that now you can listen to the um the lyrics of it and i'm gonna i'm gonna pull them up because i was reading them earlier but they they didn't kind of toe the company line so to speak of what a lot of southerners thought and were going through um you know at the time and, and a lot of times i think that kind of went over some people's heads but you look at the lyrics here, and I think they're interesting. Have you ever lived down in the ghetto? Have you ever felt the cold wind blow? Well, if you don't know what I mean, won't you stand up and scream? Because there's things going on that you don't know. So I think, you know, obviously race relations in the South at that time were just not good at all. And, you know, they were against all of the racism and everything. And it's like Sweet Home Alabama is very tongue-in-cheek, almost making fun of, you know, the people uh, in the South. But here he is talking about the ghetto. Have you ever felt the cold wind blow? If you haven't felt it, though, why don't you have sympathy for the people that do and stand up and try to do something about it? And then we go into Vietnam. Too many lives they've spent across the ocean, too much money being spent upon the moon. Big criticism at the time in the South was all the money that was going to Huntsville, Alabama at the time, to develop rockets. Drive-by truckers have an entire song about it. And then, well, they're going to ruin the air that we breathe. Lord have mercy. They're going to ruin us all by and by. I'm telling you all, beware. I don't think they really care. I just think they sit up there. All right. They're speaking to people in power. They're speaking to people, large corporations, probably oil companies and things like that. So they're commenting on the environment. They're commenting on the Vietnam War. They're commenting on racism. Uh, They end it doing the whole thing about the ghetto again but very groundbreaking and honestly very brave if you ask me at the time yeah at the time and i I think people you know when you think about skinner and listening to him you're thinking about you know the kind of southern slide guitar sounds and all that and some of these other songs get over so overshadowed by everything that's a hit so and maybe that's part of it that they can you know, get that in there. Maybe people aren't focused as much on that. Well, you know, give yeah. me back, give me back my bullets is, is basically a song about better gun control. And I think one of the things that was fascinating about one of those documentaries that came out re- with them recently, uh, Johnny Van Zant said they were basically for much stricter gun control. Obviously there's, you know, the Southern stereotype that a lot of people have about Leonard Skinner is, you know, they're all things, they're all things Southern and you know, probably pro-gun and all that kind of stuff. Really, they weren't. They were basically hippies from Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, too, that they probably a lot what they did lyrically and whatnot was to go against these bad stereotypes of Southerners to point out, you know, all the bad stereotypes. Yeah. You know, basically Sweet Home Alabama was, hey, don't lump us all together. We're not all the same. You know, he talks about. The governor in Alabama at the time, uh, oh gosh, I forget his name. It's like, we all did what we could do, meaning we tried not to get him elected, but but he did. But yeah, I don't think they get enough credit for some of the stances they took at the time that really would have 
kind of pushed against the grain, but um, their music was so good. Even the people that disagreed with them could over, could overlook that. Yeah. And you know, and they're not just, they're not just a bunch of rednecks, you know, they're not Yeah, much smart, smart music, smarter band, you know, and, and to be so conscious to, to bring that stuff up and, and to, you know, have the courage to do it. It's incredible. All right. So that brings us to our first kind of country tinge song. If you ask me, this pretty much is a country song. Mississippi kid what are your thoughts on it well it's it's once again it's so reflective of their diversity musically wise you know you're you're going like we mentioned earlier you know I ain't the one and Tuesday's gone you know and simple man this big epic kind of ballad and give me three steps running you know running away from some girl's boyfriend and all of a sudden there's just this you know really kind of delta-ish kind of like acoustic blues tune on there so they were just, you know, once again, it just shows how great they were and how diverse and, you know. Well, and, and the lyrics are straight country music. You know, I got my pistol mm-hmm. in my pocket, boys. I'm Alabama bound. I'm not looking for no trouble, but nobody dogs me around. And he's like, well, I'm going to fetch my woman. I'm going to fetch my woman. And he's like, because uh, she was raised up on that cornbread. And I know that woman will give me some, give me some baby. Um, so here we are. And, it, you know, he's telling a country. It's basically a country song about getting your woman and mm-hmm. uh it's got the line well i was born in mississippi and i don't take any stuff from you i was born in mississippi i don't take any stuff from you and if i hit you on your head boy it's going to make you black and blue so it's just basically a proud country guy going to go over and and uh and, and get his woman and if anybody gets in the way f around and find out yeah and the, you know like I, I like how we kind of have a little bit of different take on it where you know you, you to you you're hearing a, more like a country song and i think there's some delta delta blues influence in there oh yeah for sure for sure once again it just shows how how you know wide they were musically and and it really to me it it nails home the point that 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 one of the points we try to make with our podcast is that there was a time the further back you go there was a time where rock and roll country blues you know it wasn't so separated out into lanes all this music is similar. It's all related in some way, and it all starts in the south and and, and cross paths in the south. So you could put on a Leonard Skinner record, and someone might just say you just put that tune on and say this is a country band, and then you put it on another song. Hey, this is a rock and roll band. You know, this is a jam band. It's a blues band. It, but it's all those things that once again make up this genre that's named Southern rock. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it's just kind of a, a big jambalaya or gumbo of, of sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, definitely the repetitive nature of the lyrics on that is definitely akin to blues music. Um, you see a lot of that in Hill Country Blues. You know, Hill Country Blues yeah. is so much more about repetition than it is mm-hmm. about um, uh, narrative at times. But uh, that brings us to another great Skinner song, Poison Whiskey. Uh, the, the evils, the devil's drink here. Daddy was a Cajun raised on Southern land. And so my kinfolks tell me was a street fighting man. Well, they rushed him down to the doctor. Hey, doctor, won't you check his head? The only thing that was wrong with him was Johnny Walker's red. He drank old poison whiskey till it killed him dead. Just a story of a couple of people that uh, like the brown liquor a little too much and some of the mm-hmm. bad decisions legally and, and health-wise that came home to, to bite them. But, you know, that's always a fun thing to sing about in Southern music is is alcohol. And, you know, this was a time where you probably still had a lot of dry counties uh, and there was probably a lot of bootlegging going on. Um, and, you know, alcohol wasn't as readily available uh, as it is now, I think it's a it's a serious song, but also kind of has a fun 
tone to it. It's, it's got a badass riff, man. It's that's that's a great riff in that song. Um, and you know, once again, you know, going from Mississippi Kid to Poison Whiskey, you know, we got this kind of country picking song into this, you know, badass rock and roll song. And I think you know, too, it's the you know, there it, it's fun to kind of look at it and. Later on, you know, they'd write that smell about all the dangers of everything. I think what they had experienced themselves. So, yeah, precautionary tale, I guess. Well, that brings us to the Song of Songs. Freebird. Undoubtedly, almost every concert you go to, some idiot is yep. going to yell this one out. I mean, as big of a song as you can have, crosses all different cultures and genres, a juggernaut. Um, Starts off with the beautiful playing of Billy Powell. And then eventually to me, everybody in the band gets to shine at one point on this song. One of the things I think that's interesting about it is it's again, a very mature song for a young band and young people. Um, people are tired of hearing it to some point and it, and almost it's like a, a caricature of a stereotype of, of Southern, Southern music and Southern people at this point, the lyrics to me have always moved me. Somebody coming to the terms with who they are, also their mortality and life in of itself. And obviously the outro, possibly one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. You got multiple people. It, it would have been two people playing on it at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Just laying it down. And it's almost like you don't, it's kind of like David Gilmore's comfortably numb solo on Pulse. You just don't want it to end. First of all, the first thing I think of with this uh, is when you were talking about people yelling out out in concert, I think I was either on a meme or I actually saw it on the video where Charlie Starr goes, here's your free bird right here <laughs> to the guy who yelled that out. I Now, I think if I have this story correct, the solo at the end was Ed King playing it. He had played it through once and they, they'd, the producer hadn't been recording. So he had to do it all again, and he just hit it exactly, note for note, you know, which goes back to see how how intense their rehearsals were to get everything perfect. Subject-wise, Gary Rossington said in the documentary that it was like a, a love song about leaving a girl. Yeah, it's uh, it's so funny when I, I went to see them play with, the only time I've ever seen them, I saw them with ZZ Top, probably in 1998. Saw them in Tupelo, Mississippi, of all places. Place kind of important in music history. Mm -hmm. yeah. First of all, that was as redneck of a redneck crowd as you ever going to see. <laughs> yeah. You got the rednecks and the bikers. But there was something about when they when they launched into this song. First of all, everybody there had been drinking poison whiskey. Mm -hmm. And they launch into it. And I swear to you, I saw people take their hats off and put it over their heart as mm -hmm. if it was the, the Southern National Anthem. It was really, really funny, but we kind of make fun of, of all that, but th th they're a band that's extremely important to people, uh, regardless of, of where you live. But, you know, I tell people in the South, the South gets a bad rap on some things, a lot of things it deserves, but a lot of things it doesn't. And one of the, one of the things that we have to stand on is our music. It changed the world. There would be no modern music without, you know, this eight or nine state region, especially the state of Mississippi, which pretty much everything comes from, mm -hmm. but. Skinner's kind of always been a, a point of pride for people in the South, and they're regarded as nice people. You never have anybody say anything negative about any of them. They are definitely worshipped uh, down here, and it's required listening when you're growing up to listen listen to Skinner. But obviously, you know, you're in North Dakota, almost nothing in common between where I live and you live, but yet it's music that moves you. Well, <laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, Mississippi, North Dakota, and Wyoming have something in common. But, you know, besides, you know, the weather, you know, there's there's a lot of rednecks here, too. Skinner is very rural music. And 
I grew up on a farm, very rural, North Dakota. So, and I think anywhere rural, it's like people love Skinner for sure, you know. A um, couple other things. Now, I can't remember if, if Johnny Colt said it when he was on, on your podcast on State of America or if he said it when he was on Steve Gorman's Sports, but he talked about some of the things that really moved him. He said, like, when they're playing Freebird, like seeing all the people in the audience crying, you know, and then during Simple Man, people holding up, you know, pictures of their loved one that, you know, died overseas, veterans died in wars. So, yeah, yeah, Johnny Johnny speaks very reverent, and we're talking we're referring to Johnny Colt, the bass player of the Black Crows from '90 to '98, and then he was in Leonard Skinner for four or five years, and 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 I'm very lucky I've become friends with him. But yeah, he speaks very reverently of that time. He says Johnny Colt knows music. He says uh, Gary Rossington's the greatest guitar players ever played with, and. I'm just going to remind you that he played with Rich Robinson and, and Mark Ford. You know, I read another interview with him where he said uh, said the thing with Skinner, like everything is so absolutely professional. Everything's on time. You know, there's no there's no drama. There's no. And I think he was kind of making reference to uh, how life was in the Crows. Yeah, he said everything was just like so professional and so just on point And, you know, there was no drama and none of that kind of stuff. Um, well, uh, if you ever make it down this way, I'll I'll take you there, and we can drink some poison whiskey and uh, <laughs> and maybe crank a tune or two. Brian, before we leave, why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find your your podcast and all your socials and, and pimp whatever you need to pimp? Uh, well, we're on Facebook, all things blues and Southern rock. Also on Instagram, that's our two two uh, um, places that you can find us. Um, I had a website, but I something's gone fishy with it i haven't been able to, to to bring it up myself but yeah uh um instagram facebook that's where we're at you know we're we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts and uh we certainly appreciate everybody that's listened and and contributes on the facebook page and it's just a really 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 great thing great thing to do i do want to mention that uh skinner's coming here this summer so i'm definitely going to go and they're also doing another tour with ZZ Top. It's called the um, Sharp Dress Simple Man Tour. So it's interesting. If you guys get a chance, check that out. It's not coming up here, but good old Texas blues rock and roll. Yeah. It's definitely a difference. Yeah. But the Texas right. blues and the Delta blues. Let's play some old home. It's going to be yeah. those guys. Yep. It will be. Well, um, if you're into Southern music and, and, and blues, I highly recommend following all things blues and Southern rock. And, I tell you what, Brian, I think what we're going to close this out with a live version of Give Me Three Steps. What do you think? Yeah, I'm on board with that all the way. All right, everybody. Chris and I will be with you soon with our country music review, and it's going to be fun. Take care. Take care.